Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 62 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus the Rockets. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short 20 to 25 minute episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. I'll start off by giving you a quick rundown of the game, followed by my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, something to keep an eye on moving forward, my thoughts on the opponents, and a brief look ahead to what will come next for our Pistons. Let's get right into this one, guys. An exciting second win of the season for the Pistons. I know, you know, it's still, this isn't a good team. I know they just have two wins, but when they get a win, we got to get excited about. So I'm recording right after this this game finished, a 112-104 win over the Rockets. Just some pregame notes. This is you know, for a matchup of one and eight versus one and nine, this was a pretty highly anticipated game, um, at least for Pistons and Rockets fans, I would assume. Um, you know, being on ESPN, I believe it's the only nationally televised game for the Pistons this year. Same starting lineup for the Pistons that we expected coming into the season. It's nice to see that same starting lineup get some minutes and, and start to develop some chemistry. I will say, as much as I just said, that it was a highly anticipated mashup. It was a little interesting that there wasn't a bigger crowd there in Houston. And just in general, the energy seemed a little bit low. Um, my producer, my guy Wes, you know, even talked about like it's almost a little bit like summer league-ish whenever we watch these two teams play. But that changed towards the end of the game, and we'll get to that. Great start for the game for the Pistons. Couple block shots, couple threes from Grant, one from Grant, one from Killian Hayes, and a Cade bucket. Jeremy Grant off to one of those hot starts that we've known to to love about him. And what's great about this game as we talk about it more is he found a way to continue that into the second half. Um, Maybe not to the fourth quarter, but definitely with a big third quarter. Cade got in early foul trouble in this one. The Pistons are up 11-3 with 8-24 in the first, and he gets his second foul. The Pistons proceed to miss 13 of their next 14 shots at one point, and it just... It seemed like it was going to be another light night of what we've seen from this team, just not being able to make shots. They lose the lead. They have a nice little stretch. Grant with a lefty finish and a Linux three to kind of keep the game right there for him. Frank Jackson, my guy, like we have to get him catch and shoot threes. He comes in and his first attempt is just a really, really tough shot off balance on the move. Just not a three point attempt that he's been successful with this year. Those aren't the ones we want. He ends up 0 for 3 on the night. And I think a big part of that is because of what his first attempt was. The Pistons take 16 threes in the first quarter. And I just think they were almost forcing it a little bit. We'll talk about that more down the road. Start the second quarter up 23-21. So they do go into the second quarter with the lead. Cade gets to run the second unit. We got to see a little bit of staggering of minutes tonight just because of the foul trouble, which we'll talk about. But we got to see Cade with the second unit, Sadiq with the second unit, some different lineups, even a small ball lineup. Um, 
I want to go on a little tangent here. The flagrant foul on Isaiah Stewart, guys, like that's just something that that's just crazy to me. That is a you know a quote unquote basketball act. It's a basketball move. He rebounds two hands above his head. He has two hands on the ball. And all he's doing is bringing his arms down. Like, it's not like he's even swinging side to side. Like, I don't understand. Someone has to explain to me how a a true basketball movement, a true basketball act, something you see happen over and over and over in a basketball game, whether it's the NBA or high school, boys or girls, it doesn't matter. How that's a flagrant foul. Like, I'm sorry he hit somebody in the head. But at the end of the day, that what the result is, doesn't mean that it's a flagrant foul. That's not what makes it a flagrant foul. Like I just, I realize I'm over the top with this because I'm a Pistons fan, because I'm a huge Isaiah Stewart fan, but that's just, that is not a foul. The the Rockets go on a little run here in the second quarter, Jalen Green with a nice little stretch. And this is where I felt like we really started to force the three point attempts. I think there was some questionable ones. I think there was no flow to the offense. Like It's almost like they were purposely trying to just like, makes get threes up and be like no we're not going to stop shooting them just because we're missing them and almost prove a point first free throw attempts of this game come with 50 seconds left in the second quarter of the game guys okay the first free throw attempts of the game and again i'll get to this whenever i talk about some of the biggest takeaways and and jeremy grant actually missed both of them the rockets had 15 free throw attempts at this point in the game the pistons had two and we're 0 for 2. They actually started out 0 for 4 from the free throw line. A great 5-0 run to end the half, though. We've seen this a little bit from the Pistons. I think it's been huge, but a great 5-0 run. I'll break that down in my plays of the game. And the Pistons had 18 more shot attempts, 8 more offensive rebounds, and less turnovers than the Rockets at halftime, and they were down by 1. It just it was a microcosm there in the first half of how this season has gone for the Pistons where, you know, you could, I don't want to say they've outplayed necessarily some of these other teams, but they've played much better than what the score shows because they just haven't made shots. Story of a game in some capacity was foul trouble. Isaiah Stewart commits his fourth foul 90 seconds into the half, which causes kind of some weird rotations. Was also a rough start for Cade Cunningham in the third. Had a couple turnovers. And in my opinion, something we need to keep an eye on with him, he overhelps off shooters as high basketball IQ. He leaves Jalen Green in a situation where I don't think he needs to be a help or a help the helper and Jalen Green knocks down a shot just something a small improvement I did in a breakdown if you want to go check that out but where Cade Cunningham over helps on a shooter amazing start for Jeremy Grant 10 points in the first four minutes 21 points in the quarter just just really blew the top off here in the third quarter and was big time. Pistons go extremely small. This is the lineup I'm talking about. Trey Lyles at the five at 738 in the third, down 59-64, and that lineup actually built a five-point lead. Now, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation between the lineup and gaining that lead because, as I said, Jeremy Grant was going bananas at this point, but it was interesting that that lineup was able to build the lead. And then we finally saw it. Number one versus number two, Jalen Green gets a dunk. I don't want to say on Cade, but with Cade as the primary defender, and you see him stare him down, talk little trash, ends up getting a technical, and you just knew that that was going to blow over. Like Jalen Green said all the right things yesterday or Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this, and made it try to downplay things, but you saw the, that rivalry start to build back up throughout the game. It came to a head there. It was, And I will talk about the, what happened after that, 
again in the plays of the game. Rough end to the third quarter after Stewart commits his fifth foul, but, well, it was a rough end, excuse me, guys, it was a rough end to the third quarter anyway. It almost got worse. Stewart looked like what was his fifth foul on a, on a three-point attempt by the Rockets. Nice challenge by Coach Casey. Could have used it. Um, again later in the game but I think that was a, a smart decision to use it there um, I'm not even sure I entirely agree with the decision to overturn the call but takes a foul off of Stewart and kept the Rockets away from three free throw attempts even though they didn't shoot really great from the free throw line tonight they were 22 of 34 left a lot of points on the board Pistons going to the fourth up 82 79 and we'll talk about Corey Joseph later Not a great night for Corey Joseph, but he did have a nice little two, three-minute stretch to start the fourth. He hit a three. I think he got an and one. After his three, Stewart got a bucket and a nice little run to start the fourth quarter there. But then Stewart got his fifth foul and a technical not long after that. About midway through the fourth, we see Sadiq Bey, who also struggled in this game shooting. He was 2-9 from 3, 6-17 overall, but he went on a nice little six-point run of his own and ballooned the lead to 14. Looked like the Pistons were going to run away with this one, but of course, it's never that easy, especially in the NBA. The Rockets go on a 7-0 run, capped by a couple awful possessions by the Pistons, an awful offensive possession, a couple defensive possessions. I don't mean to put it on Kelly Olynyk, but where he just flat out did not box out and rebound um and they capped off that with on a free throw checkout so the rockets make the first miss the second rebound they got it ended up calling a timeout they bang a three coming out of that four point possession 8-0 run the lead is cut to four points and Cade Cunningham nails a three and this is what we all are going to love about Cade Cunningham it's all what we loved about him coming out of Oklahoma State those clutch buckets those clutch moments and this was truly a clutch like it's not just the last shot of the game it's not just in the last minute of the game that was a huge momentum changing a momentum stopping three from Cade Cunningham right there that was big time and then he proceeded to take a charge And what I loved about the charge, I almost tweeted out and didn't, but a couple possessions before he was in the similar situation and he almost got out of the way and ended up with a foul. And if Cade's not going to be a shot blocker, which he may not be and is fine, then the other way to protect the rim is taking charges. It's something old friend Blake Griffin does really well. It's something Kyle Lowry does really well. If you're not going to block shots, then take charges. Um, and he did, took back-to-back possession there, which was really big time. The, day, the game did get intense and a lot of fun. Stewart got his first points of the night on a big tip-in off a of Cade Cunningham miss. And then it was a, still a two-point game layup by Cade to take it to four. Again, some clutch points from our number one overall pick. And from there on out, the Pistons were able to close it out. Let's get right into my biggest takeaways for this game, guys. I am fully invested in the Pistons. If I didn't know before this game, I knew now I was so frustrated. Midway through the third, it's a one-point game, and Jeff Van Gundy continues to talk about the Raptors, Evan Mobley, and all this stuff while the game is going on. And I understand it's 1-8 and eight versus 1-9, and nine, but the game is going on. Sadiq Bey makes a play that we're going to talk about in plays of the game, and I'm just like, it just... it. Maybe it shouldn't have frustrated me. Maybe I'm being sensitive about it, but I'm like, you had the game going on on the floor. It wasn't a game in the fourth quarter where one team was up by 20. This was a one-point game in the third quarter, and I felt like he was completely distracted from the action on the court. And I just, in that moment, more than anything, I guess, guys, this is for me, is like, 
I'm all in on this. I am Detroit Pistons through and through. It's almost we're coming up on one year of me doing this, and I'm in, I'm I'm all in on that. So back to the actual game. This team can just not string multiple offensive possessions in a row, guys. Like. There's a few possessions where it's like, man, it looks really good. The flow's good. They make shots. Looks like they're going to go on a great run. And then they even get good shots, and then they just aren't able to make them. Or then the stretch of turnovers happens. And it's just, I have to believe that eventually those things are all going to connect. You're going to connect two or three good possessions with another two or three good possessions without the lull in the middle. The shooting, the slump, I, I, I mean, still not over. They shot 33% from three to nine, ended up 43% from the field, 12 of 18 from the free throw line. But they're going to shoot their way out of this slump. Like, there is no way that they're just going to stop shooting threes. That does not seem to be the mentality to work through this. You know, shoot or shoot, and that's what they're going to do, whether we like it or not. I'm a shooter, guys. Three-point shooting is what I know. It's what I love. But I even think this team really does need to find a way to get some better more easier shot attempts inside the three-point line. I do think that that should be an emphasis. Yes, there needs to be an emphasis on continuing to take and make open shots or take and start making open three-point shots. But I do think there needs to be an emphasis on getting into the lane and scoring and getting more of those shots and finishing finishing them at a higher rate. Speaking of shot attempts, I love the shot distribution from the starting lineup in this game minus Killian Hayes. And we're going to talk about Killian Hayes a little bit more as something to watch for going forward. But Jeremy Grant gets 23 shots. Cade gets 18. Sadiq gets 17. I love that shot distribution. I'm even fine with Jeremy Grant taking the most shots. Jeremy Grant should take the most shots through the first three quarters. How this game played out is the winning formula. If you want, if you're not in tank mode, if you want a winning formula for the Pistons, to me, it's Jeremy Grant dominates for three quarters and then Cade Cunningham takes over in the fourth. That's what Cade Cunningham did in college. That's who he was. Go watch a college game. The announcers, Fran Fraschilla doing the big 12 games all the time, would always talk about how he wasn't aggressive in the first half, but then he would be in the second half. That's what we kind of saw from tonight was Jeremy took over for most of the game, and then Cade took over in, in crunch time, in clutch time. Sadiq Bey got his 17 attempts, but I would like to see Killian Hayes get more than four attempts. Isaiah Stewart only got three. Foul trouble was a major issue there. And then here's another thing, and I, we're going to talk about Cade because he's the number one pick, and guys, he continues to impress. This came straight from the announcers. He's in constant conversation with the coaching staff. So we don't get to see this, right? We don't see all of this during the broadcast of the game. But they're there. They hear these things. He's in constant conversation with the conversation with the coaching staff and always encouraging teammates. I think those are things that have been talked about. Rod Beard on the previous episode, episode 61, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Talked about this. And he was able to handle foul trouble tonight. You guys that have played this game, you know how hard it is. You get all excited. You're on the only nationally televised game of the year for the Pistons. And he's in foul trouble four minutes into the first quarter. Handled it well. He handled it with maturity. And I just thought Cade Cunningham was big time, even beyond what we saw in terms of making shots, creating for teammates, and creating for himself player of the game. I think this one's pretty easy. You guys can guess it. It's Jeremy Grant. It's too easy to not go with Jeremy Grant for the third quarter. He had ended up with 35 points on 12 of 23 from the field, four, nine from three, only one turnover. So pretty high usage for Jeremy Grant in a lot of isolation situations, which I want to talk about more as we go through this, but too easy not to give it to Jeremy Grant. And I do want to give a shout out to Cade Cunningham for the way he finished the fourth quarter. 
Some plays of the game right before half, a huge way to finish the first half. Jeremy Grant with a left-handed dunk in isolation. I've been a little critical of Jeremy Grant going to his left, but he did a nice job finishing there with his left hand in the isolation play. JJ, Josh Jackson, didn't talk about him a lot tonight, but he takes a charge. Nice night from Josh Jackson. Eight points, eight rebounds, four assists, no turnovers for Josh Jackson tonight, but he takes a charge with like a second or between a second and two left on the clock and Sadiq Bey banged a three. So a nice little 5-0 run there right to end the first half. Mid-third, this was the one I was talking about earlier when Jeff Van Gundy was talking about the other stuff. Sadiq Bey gets blocked, ends up on his backside, gets the rebound, setting down, and then makes a nice assist to Cade from the floor. I thought that was a nice heady play by Sadiq Bey. Just wanted to kind of highlight that. Mid-third quarter, uh, Jalen Green gets the dunk and the tee. And then the ensuing Grant pull up off a set play, Grant block, and then Bay lay up on the other end. Just a very, very nice sequence there as momentum kind of changed after the Jalen Green dunk. And then some plays in the fourth quarter, 10 minutes to go in the fourth. The Rockets miss a layup. This is the one I tweeted this out if you follow me on Twitter. If you don't, go check it out, at Motor City Hoops. The Rockets miss a layup, and whoever missed, I can't remember who missed it for off the top of my head, but he just jogs back. He didn't sprint back on defense. Pistons pushed it a little bit in transition. Kelly Olenek makes a three. And that play just reminded me a little bit of something the Pistons, something that's happened to the Pistons this year. Not the jogging back on defense, but missing a layup or a wide open layup. And then the other team capitalizing with the three. I believe it happened against the Nets and Kevin Durant hit the three. 654 in the fourth. Cade blocks a Jalen Green attempted in the shot clock. Just had to throw that in there to, you know, keep boosting the rivalry. And then four minutes to go in the fourth. After that four-point possession and the 8-0 run from the Rockets, just want to highlight again such a huge clutch shot from Cade Cunningham. Some things to keep an eye on moving forward. The Hayes catch and shoot. Tonight we saw, I believe his first attempt, yes, his first attempt was a made three. The footwork, the balance, the legs, the lower body all look good. The second attempt was a similar situation, but we saw the leg kick. So that is just something to watch for, something to keep your eyes on as they move forward. Hayes in that catch and shoot situations, is he able to get rid of that leg kick and continue to shoot catch and shoot at a high rate? Jeremy Grant isolations and passing. Jeremy Grant was big time to guy tonight, guys. Make no mistake about it. But there's a lot of talk about how much isolation he's getting. And these plays, in my opinion, aren't designed for true isolation. If you watch film from last year, it's a lot of similar concepts and actions. But last year, he was getting them ripping through and going immediately downhill, attacking to his right hand. That's what Dwayne Casey likes to get him. Some sort of action on the move going to his right hand. But this year, what Jeremy Grant is doing is he is not taking that immediately. He's squaring his man up and going straight isolation. Now, sometimes it looks good, like tonight. Sometimes not so good. I would like to see Jeremy get back into, get that ball, get downhill with your right hand and turn the corner in those situations. And then also, again, he did a good job tonight. Three assists, one turnover. But I do think it's something to watch for his passing in these situations as he continues to draw attention. Sadiq Bey, I talked about this. Kind of interesting with his shot. Two and nine from three, six and 17 from the field again. Went on a good stretch in the third, but... Even with the three-pointer he hit right before halftime, which sometimes is those are the shots that can kind of get a guy going. You know, it it knocks the lid off the basket. Did not seem to do that. 
I just think it's something to watch for with Sadiq Bey with the three-point shot. I'm not saying it's something to be alarmed about. We've been patient with a lot of these guys with their three-pointers. I know there's some stuff going around on Twitter now that maybe they tinkered with his shot. I don't know if that's to be true or not. Maybe it is, but it would be nice to see him get that three-point shot going here sooner rather than later. A little more X's and O's than maybe some of you really love or, or care to know. But something to watch for moving forward is an action that teams have used to really, you know, knock the Pistons off defensively. And that's a ball screen into an immediate back screen action. In one of the other games, we saw this action used and it ended up in a wide open layup for the offense. In this game, it ended up the roll guy and Isaiah Stewart got his fourth foul coming over to help. So that's just an action that I've noticed in multiple games from multiple opponents that the Pistons seem to be struggling defending. So it'll be interesting as other teams notice that, scout, watch that film, if we continue to see it and if the Pistons are able to also go to the film and figure out whether it's a lack of communication or execution or just practicing that, what they need to do to correct that. And then one final one before we take a look at the Rockets and a look ahead, Corey Joseph or Saban Lee? This is something, again, if you go listen to episode 61 with Rod Beard, Rod and I got into this a little bit about Saban Lee. And guys, this is not me overreacting to Saban Lee's huge G League game. I promise you it's not. This is more of me, maybe if I'm overreacting to anything, it's Corey Joseph's game tonight. He did play well against Brooklyn, but tonight Corey Joseph was not good. He ended up with five points. And five assists, but he also had five turnovers. And just for a guy that is in there for his veteran presence and being a point guard and running the show, like he made the same mistake on back-to-back possessions, dribbled right into the same spot, charge. Next time, turned it over. I just would like to see Corey Joseph play better. And if he's not going to, I would at least like to see Saban Lee get a chance. That's all I'm saying. I believe there was a quote that came out today that said Hami and JJ fought it out for those second unit minutes. This was from Dwayne Casey. And I think that's right. And I think JJ has won that. I think he's played better. And maybe down the road, Hami will get his chance. I don't know. But if that's how it's going to go, and if Dwayne Casey's trying to figure out his rotation through these first 20 games, I would like to see Saban Lee maybe get the first second unit rotation point guard minutes in one of these upcoming games or the first sub in the third quarter whenever it usually would be Corey Joseph. I would just like to see that and I would like to get him a chance playing with the Pistons, not just with the G League, to see what he can bring to the table for this team. I think Corey Joseph has struggled enough And I think as young as Saban Lee has shown and the promise that he has, I think that would be fair and I would like to see that. Right now, honestly, guys, it's the two members of the backcourt in the second unit that aren't holding their weight. Corey Joseph hasn't been great. And as much as I love him and as high as I was on him, Frank Jackson hasn't really held his weight either. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know who else you play at the backup shooting guard if it's not Frank Jackson, but it's going to be interesting to see if there's anybody that pushes those guys for minutes in the second unit. few quick points on our opponent, the Houston Rockets. Guys, they're just as bad as the Detroit Pistons, um, obviously by the final score, but they may be in a worse off play. I don't know that they have as many young, promising guys as what the Pistons do. You know, Eric Gordon was a guy that played really well for them tonight, made some big shots, scored 11 points. Um, You know, Jalen Green is very good. All right, Jalen Green is definitely a tough shot maker. There is no doubt about it. He's going to have some high, he's going to have more highlight reel plays in Sports Center top 10s than Cade Cunningham this year. But I guarantee you this, he is not better than Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham is my number one pick. 
Every game so far this year has solidified that and tonight even more so. Jalen Green does not bring the intangibles to the table that Cade Cunningham does. But what I'm interested to see just as a fan of the game is if Jalen Green can become an easy shot creator and a creator for his teammates. That's something to watch for with the Houston Rockets. Looked like Christian Wood was able to prove his point after last game. Uh, I heard, I can't say that I watched, that he just kind of stood in the corner and kind of was trying to say, hey, fine, I'm not going to take shots. He definitely got his usage tonight. Kevin Porter Jr., nice young player. Jay Sean Tate was all right. Um, So I I just – It'll be interesting to follow the Rockets. Like they're just they're a team. It'll be interesting to see what moves they can make moving forward. And but the first thing that they're they're probably worse off than the Pistons right now. And again, Jalen Green can be impressive. Christian Wood can be impressive. But I would definitely take this Pistons roster over the Rockets. Here to finish this off, we're just going to take a quick look ahead, and we're going to look at the Cavs, who we play on Friday. And they had a tough loss to the Wizards tonight, a close loss. I believe Kyle Kuzma hit a big shot in that game to kind of put it away. The Cavs are 7-5 and five right now, still an impressive 7-5 and five for the Cavs. And number three overall pick, Evan Mobley, has been just big time this year for them. Very, very impressive. I think showing a lot of people why he was – I think he may have been in more consideration um, – to be the number one pick, the number two pick, and definitely the number three pick. You know, it kind of seemed like there's a lot of Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green conversation during the draft. And I think Evan Mobley is showing right now why either he was more behind the scenes in those conversations or at least why he should have been. Again, I'm not saying that I wouldn't take Cade Cunningham. I absolutely would. All I'm saying is Evan Mobley seemed to be the forgotten player of those threes of those three, and he's definitely showing so far in his young uh, rookie season why he shouldn't. Colin Sexton is out with a meniscus injury for the Cavs. Deep team right now. They, they're, Colin Sexton was their leading scorer, is their leading scorer at 16 points a game, but they have eight guys averaging more than nine points a game. So very interesting roster. That'll be a tough test for the Pistons coming back from this win over the Rockets. And then they'll follow that up on Saturday with the game against the Raptors and number four overall pick, Scotty Barnes. So this was, you know, number versus number two, versus number three, versus number four. One interesting fact about the Raptors here is they turn over the ball the lowest of any team in the NBA per game. So that'll be something to watch for to see if the Pistons can turn them over at all, get out in transition, led in scoring by OG Anobi and Fred Van Vliet. And of course, we'll see former Pistons Svee Mikhailuk. Pascal Siakam has returned. He's played two games now since returning from his injury. So they're starting to get a little bit more healthy. They had a, let me check the score from tonight just real fast for you guys. And they had a loss tonight against the Celtics, 104-88. So on Friday night against the Cavs, I will not have an instant recap and reaction for that one, but I will on Saturday for the Raptors game immediately after that, dropping Saturday night or Sunday morning, and we'll kind of talk about both of those games during that one. As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, who we call the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast around here and takes care of so many things for me behind the scenes to make the podcast better and easier for me. I also want to encourage you to go listen to episode 61, which I've referenced a couple times on this episode, where I was joined by Rod Beard from the Detroit News for an amazing episode talking about the Pistons storyline from the first nine games of the season. And as I said, we'll not have an instant recap episode after Friday night's game, but we will be back on Saturday night or Sunday morning with one after the Raptors game. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.